This episode of Burn the Haystack is sponsored, somewhat ironically, by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to thehaystack.org. The Haystack, life, culture, theology. Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all about helping you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. Yeah, you sound kind of sarcastic when you're saying it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, totally, uh, I'm totally genuine. Totally genuine. I'm just trying... I'm being totally genuine right now. I'm like... You're in being, a podcast. I'm not being sarcastic like at all. Like this is my genuine voice. Like totally. I'm not being sarcastic at all. <laughs> Did you have like that, that one teenage friend like growing up in high school who was just like the bane of your existence. Every time you're having a discussion, she would just chime in and it'd be so sarcastic and so annoying. I think I was that person in my school. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Are you serious? Were you like really sarcastic as a, as a teenager? I think I still am really sarcastic. People get... But the, the problem is my sarcasm sounds like serious. Yeah. It's... Yeah. It, yeah. I, run, I run into a lot of trouble with it. You have a lot a, of people don't know I'm being sarcastic. Just because of my delivery, because I try and make it really um, not obvious. Yeah, it's also like the whole pastor thing. Like you're supposed to be like genuine and and happy towards like everyone, except sometimes the sarcasm just like the real <laughs> the real person just slips out sometimes. <laughs> I'm not the saying real. that I'm not saying that about you specifically. I'm saying that about pastors in general. Like trying to put the pastor face on. It's like yes, hello, everything is great, and we are all happy and fun. <laughs> What? I just have this like image now of this pastor just trying to hold back who he really is the whole time. Every time he's speaking to people, and it's like a bubble's about to burst. <laughs> I'm just so happy to be here right now. <laughs> happy Sabbath, church. Well, I think it's funny because I think a lot of pastors put it on and then they just become that person like over time. Like I know people that I've gone to college with or I've, you know, seen graduate, you know, become a pastor. And then a few years down the track, like the person that they pretend to be ends up just becoming who they are. It's, it's very sad in, in some ways, but I don't know. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> well. It's, it's a very deep, I don't want to, yeah, it's a deep topic, but I don't want to get into it too much. It's I, it's because like, I think we always feel this pressure to be authentic, but also be perfect. You know what I mean? Like, like be authentic but not too authentic because if you're too authentic then that becomes a little bit offensive you know because you can't be fully <laughs> can't be fully you with all your flaws and good stuff and bad stuff all the time i think i think that's just like a socially a socially constructed sort of thing like people want your real self as long as it's not too not too messy ah uh. yeah i guess so I didn't. I didn't know where we were going in this direction. I don't. I. I, I just say things, man. <laughs> I just say things. <sighs> I mean, I've been a hundred percent sarcastic the entire time we've done this podcast. <laughs> All fifty-something episodes have been one hundred percent sarcastic. I'm just thinking back to those episodes where we have like a really inspiring guest, and Josh is like, 
Oh wow, that is so amazing. Now I'm realizing it was a whole lie the entire oh, time. Oh wow. That's so amazing. I'm <laughs> so inspired right now. Like I feel like I want to be a better person. <laughs> Why do you turn into like a 15-year-old girl when you go sarcastic? Cuz it's it's the most fun way to be sarcastic. <laughs> It's so okay. fun. Like it's because I've been watching stupid Married at First Sight. Like I, I sit on my computer and I work. And oh, I thought you were going to say you sit on your computer and watch Married no, at First Sight. I'm like, that's no, weird. No, no, no. I sit <laughs> at my computer and Karina's in the other room watching Married at First Sight because she likes it, but she also hates it. It's like she, it's fun because it's so, uh, but it's also terrible because it's so frustrating. You know, like, and you have all these these Aussie chicks from like small country towns or like medium sized cities who who all just kind of talk like this and I just I just feel like he doesn't have my back and you know, it's just so hard being married. Oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> it's um, and I'm becoming I'm becoming that person. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> but we all know the truth is Karina mm. sits on the computer and does work and Jesse's in the laundry <laughs> watching Married at First Sight. I will, I will never admit that. <laughs> I don't know and where you got that from. <laughs> and The Bachelorette. Oh. oh, I mean, oh, so good. I love it. <laughs> the lines have been blurred. I don't know what sarcasm and what's reality anymore. Yeah. Reality can, can be whatever I choose. <laughs> All right, well, um, today I think would be no now i sound sarcastic okay i'm <laughs> today we are doing a very serious episode about serious things <laughs> we are doing a really serious episode about oh really yeah no we are we are we are we totally are all right i'm i'm i'm, I'm done sarcasm over yeah <laughs> okay only um, authenticity from now on yeah so what we're going to be covering today we actually posted an article about this on the facebook page ages ago now um but it was in our first sunday's recommendation i think um and we'll leave a we'll leave a link to the article in the show notes but it basically started a little chat between jesse and i and the the response on the um the response on the the post was actually pretty crazy like Mm. a lot of a lot of comments and stuff which is was really cool to see I, i really like seeing the dialogue um yeah, but today I guess we're we're sort of covering something that I think we actually see a lot in 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 our churches, mm. um, and can be a big problem depending on the depending on the church. I don't know. What do you reckon, Jesse? Yeah, I, I think it can be a big problem, and I don't think this is this is interesting because it's not like an Adventist problem. It's like an all Christian problem in in some way, shape, or form. What we're really talking about is is the issue of bible idolatry which is kind of a big claim to make but it's this it's the idea that the bible can sometimes grow bigger than the god that the bible talks about and what a lot of people end up doing is equating um devotion and holiness toward uh and and, yeah devotion really and and worship towards god to the bible which speaks of god I don't know if, if there's a better way to, to, to describe it, but that's kind of what this whole thing is, is, is all about. And the question in my mind is, I mean, how many of us have gotten, you know, their first Bible when they were a kid or a teenager and it was 
you know, just like this black leather or brown leather and it says Holy Bible on the front. And the question... Oh, okay. My first Bible was like the fun, like... Hey, it's the cool kids Bible. You're oh. radical, you know, with the skating <laughs> skating Bible on the front, whatever. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, no, I I remember mine was like the extreme teen Bible. That was a great yeah, Bible. Yeah. That was so cool. Um, but yeah, so the question in my mind, and the question that really we we're going to ask today is: Is the Bible actually holy? Like, what about the Bible is, if it is holy, then what about it is? Holy, uh, it's kind of a roundabout way to ask the question, but that's yeah. sort of what it is. So it sounds heretical, I guess, what we're talking about, uh, but I don't think it is. I think it's more posing the question about, I think something that a lot of us have seen. So this is the haystack, right? <laughs> um, so picture a whole bunch of like 12, 13 year olds around in a group Bible study. And then, um, you know, that they say, okay, get your Bibles out or whatever. And then... One kid gets it out, goes to put it on his lap, and then it's like, oh, I need my highlighter, reaches into his bag to get his highlighter, his Bible slips off his lap, drops on the ground, and all the other kids gasp like, (gasps) and then one of them's like, you're going to go to hell because you dropped the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Uh, relatable. Well, yeah, I think we've all seen that sort of thing happen. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know, some kids like, Bibles all mangled up or whatever, and other kids like, oh, I can't believe you treat your Bible so badly. Yeah, um, and I get it. I get that. Um, I get that it's an important book, and it, what's in it is really important. But I don't. <laughs> I don't know if we see that the right way. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And and the reason why, like, I ask the question: Is the Bible is worshiping the? Are we worshiping the Bible or? is holding the Bible in reverence idolatry because all idolatry is is holding up an object or an idea to levels of divinity, right? And, you know, as, as, as Christians, we believe in one God expressed in three persons, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we Are you sure it's not that- Father, Son, Holy Bible? Well, that's it. it yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it, should we be making a fourth member of the Trinity? What would that be? Qu- quadrinity? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You know, but um, like, is that, is that legit or is that kind of, are we unconsciously, I guess is my question. Are we unconsciously verging into dicey territory? That's going to be ultimately unhelpful to our spiritual growth. Right. Yeah. Um, like lifting up the Bible so high that it's almost above God in his, yeah. <laughs> in a way, which is hard because obviously, we believe, and we quote the Bible on here. We we obviously like, and we try and do our best to live by the teachings of of God and and Jesus and and the stories in the Bible. Um, we that's what we try and do. So it probably sounds weird. Yeah. To hear us like talk about it like this. Do we like? Do, do, does Josh and Jesse hate the Bible? Like, obviously, <laughs> we don't hate the Bible. And as Josh said, we try to live our lives based on the teachings and the principles that are found in the Bible, but. The Bible didn't write those principles and teachings, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, we try and live by the principles and teachings as revealed through God and through Jesus as revealed or as as expressed or as recorded in the pages of this book, which it, it should be important to note. The Bible isn't a book in the you know typical sense. It doesn't have you know, chapters that are all written by one person leading to a single conclusion by one author. It's more of an anthology, you know, and we believe that God actually has orchestrated 
the um, the portions of the Bible to actually serve a single purpose in illustrating and illuminating Jesus and what Jesus is doing in the world. But it should we should be you know real. The Bible is a book unlike any other, which means that we can't just treat it like a book like any other. Yeah, um, and I think. That's kind of the incredible thing I, th- I think about the Bible is that, like, obviously it's it's inspired because all of these, <laughs> all these like letters and historical documents and um, biographies and all these things, all coming together into one book and they all sort of echo each other like that. It's yeah. clearly supernatural, and they're all written in different times by different people in different ways in different languages. Um, doesn't make any sense to me how it's possible, but obviously it's a there's there's something supernatural about it, um, mm. and that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, and I think obviously the whole thing is pointing us to God, but I think part of the problem is people see the Bible almost as that is God. The end. It's the Earth, end unto itself. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Which can be problematic. I agree, and. This really, I think, really beautifully segues into this article that we that we shared uh, about Beth Moore, who's a fairly influential um, evangelical Bible teacher, um, American, and she um, wrote a string of tweets in January of this year. So this is kind of we're kind of behind the eight ball in terms of like hot news. This is kind of old news, but <laughs> like this is just as controversial now as it was when she actually wrote it. So do you want me to just kind of take us through the the tweets a little bit, Josh? Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll clarify. For people who don't know who Beth Moore is, she's um, she's just a, a Bible teacher, basically. She's not a pastor. Um, she's just a teacher. She's written lots of books and written lots of Bible study programs. Um, has helped a lot of people in, um, yeah, drawing close and understanding the Bible and, yeah, applying its principles to everyday life. Um, I don't know what denomination she is or if she is a denomination, um, but she's an incredible um, teacher of the Bible, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the first one that she wrote uh, is just reads like this, um, and I quote, spending time with God, uh, spending time with God and spending time with the Bible are not the same thing. The Bible is the word of God, crucial to knowing him, but it's not God. We can study our Bibles till the second coming and leave God completely out of it. We can grow in facts and never grow a whit in faith. <laughs> oh, a what? A whit? A what? A whit? I think. Oh, a, I think. I think a whit just means like never grow a, a degree or like an amount of faith. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah. I was just playing off you doing the whit. I know. I know. But so, I genuinely okay. was like stopping like. What does that word actually mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, so that's yeah. That was her first tweet, um, and then there was like twelve hundred and fifty people uh, replied to that. Um, so, uh, and a lot of it was good, but a lot of it was not so good. Um, so she, uh, so she, she, she had some follow up tweets, and I'll just read those now. She says, do not be deceived. People who study the scriptures constantly and are continually mean-spirited, rude, slanderous, and aside their religious rhetoric, bereft of outward evidences of the Holy Spirit, are having Bible Bible study without God. He affects us. You can take that 
to the bank. I will emphasize once more that my point is not studying scripture less. I am a proponent of daily Bible study. It's my practice, my life, my life work, and my delight. My point is that we need God in our study of His Word. I'm just saying, don't leave Jesus out of Bible study. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Lots um, to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, there is. And I think a lot of people got really angry. And I'm to me, I was like, why, why are they getting angry? I don't get it. <laughs> Um, well, I think I think the the original. Well, unfortunately, a lot of this is interspersed by some pretty sexist rhetoric because a lot of people don't like that Beth Moore is a speaker. She preaches at churches. She's an influencer. Um, maybe they just plain don't like her. You know, maybe they've never met her or they just don't like her. That's that is what it is. You don't. You know, people aren't. You're not. You're not. You know, indebted. Like you're not. You're not um, owed liking her but regardless of that unfortunately a lot of the rhetoric here is kind of angry it's a little bit sexist um maybe if i, I don't know maybe if uh rick warren had said this people would be like oh amen maybe uh, you know what i mean i, I don't do, know i, do I wouldn't wonder. say it's just that though no i yeah. wouldn't i would agree i don't think it's just that but i do i do have to wonder what the reaction would have been if it was by somebody like Rick Warren or, you know, Stephen Furtick or something like that. Um, who's probably would have been worse for Stephen Furtick, to be honest. <laughs> may, oh, maybe. Yeah. He's got a lot of he got a lot of haters, which yeah. is sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people kicked up big arguments and people put out some really weird um, debates to the argument. Um, and I could sort of see their point, but not really, because <laughs> I think they're sort of missing they're missing her point. Um, so yeah, I know was it there's something by the gospel? Wait, what is it? Oh yeah, gospel um, coalition. <laughs> yeah, they said something. I think. Was um, it them? I'm not oh quite no, sure. no no no! Sorry sorry sorry. Sure. Um, th- no compromise radio. Uh, okay. <laughs> A great radio name. Um, <laughs> they tweeted, um, and I think this is pretty rude actually, um, but they said when Beth spends um, time listening to her husband talk to her, too bad that does not count as spending time with him. Um, which I'm like, well... Again, it's kind of like... The, it's kind of coming from a, a sexist place, really, because you well, would, nev- you would not say that. Would you say that if it was a man saying that and you were like, oh, well, your wife, rah, 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 rah. Because the implication is that, you know, keep your woman under control. At least that's how I, that's how I'm taking it because... You, okay, I'm not taking it. I'm, I'm just, I don't agree personally. I don't well, think that's how it is, but okay, whatever. That's, that's fine. Matter. That's fine. <laughs> um, well, no, because I think their argument is that like, so say that you and you and I are talking as friends and yeah. if but if you're just talking to me and I'm listening to you they would say that doesn't count as us spending time together as friends. But I yeah, could say that there's some truth to analogy. that. It's such it a is. it's such a hard analogy because like when you're talking about God you're talking about a a transcendent yet imminent being who we can't talk to face to face in the same way that you talk to but yet we can. And that yeah. he is revealed through scripture, a book that was written, you know, an anthology that was written and published over 2,000 years ago, through, you know, plus 
an extra 4,000 years or give or take. And then we can relate that to sitting next to each other as friends and talking. I just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a stretch. But that, that's the thing though, I guess. You could say like you could just be, somebody put up a great quote. I think it was Nimrod quoted somebody else. <laughs> I can't remember who the quote was. <laughs> but they said two monologues don't make a dialogue. Yeah. And I think that's pretty true because you could just listen. Like, I mean, like you could say a monologue to me and then I could say a monologue, but neither of us have any actual interaction with each other. This is, is true. It really, it's not really a conversation. And I think what they're sort of missing here is that I could, okay, so say like my wife or something was speaking to me, but then I didn't act on anything she said. I didn't care about anything she said. All I did was go, ah, oh, yes, that's fascinating, dear. Mm, yes. And then walked off. Like it's. Yeah, it's condescending. I, yeah, and it's not really like I'm not letting myself be transformed by her words and I'm not letting our relationship build over that. I'm just taking in the information and then not even doing anything with it. It's pretty different. So then how would we well how would we translate this to what a lot of people's struggles is, which is you read your Bible and you get nothing. Like you read the book and then you you're asking God to speak to you. And it just feels like silence because I, I feel like that's a, partly where a lot of the frustration comes from where you want God to speak to you and you want him to speak through his word. But sometimes you just read the, this book and you're reading, I don't know, whatever, you know, be it Old Testament, New Testament, and it just feels like nothing's, nothing's going on. Like you're hearing a monologue and then you're saying a monologue, which is, you know, God, I really need help in this area or you know i need an answer or i need to to you to help me to make a decision in this yada 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 and then it just feels like well nothing's coming back yeah and i mean i'm i don't know i don't have all the answers there i guess what <laughs> i know <laughs> the shock uh, but i know one thing that's really helped me actually is so if i read something um i mean yeah if i read something I try and um, we've talked about this a little bit before. I don't try and read lots and lots and lots of my Bible in one sitting. I try and just read like a short chunk. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever's sticking out and making sense in my mind. And then generally I'll stop um, and reflect on it. And then a sort of key question I find myself asking to God is, hey God, can you show me what this means to me in my life now? And then I'll read it again. And then, you know, can you can you reveal to me an application for this in my everyday? Is there an area where this is lacking for me? Um, for me, that's creating more of a dialogue. It's not just, Lord, show me show me a word. And then flicking open to a random Bible page and being <laughs> like, ah, yes. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know what, I, you know know what I've always, as a side note, you know, I've always found really hilarious is that that one pastor who gets up in church and was like, Oh, church, I was in the shower this morning and the Lord just gave me a word. And this is what the Lord said as I was scrub-a-dub-dubbing in my tub-a-tub-tubbing. <laughs> it's something really, it's something really like generic and vague. And then people are like, oh, it's so spiritual. You know, the Lord spoke to our pastor while he was in the shower. Like, I'm not, I'm not denying that God speaks to us wherever. Like, you can be in the shower. I don't care where you are. But it, it just is like... It's. It, I don't know. It just strikes I me. I can't as say kind I've experienced comical. that. Eh? I've never <laughs> experienced that. Or maybe it might. Maybe my my spirit is 
is just not open to that or maybe I just I'm not spiritual enough I'm not sure no, I mean I've also never had a pastor get up and be like oh I was in the bathtub this morning you know I've never <laughs> had that either usually I had I had I have heard somebody it was it was a shower that was probably the most bizarre sort of place that, that I, I remember here I was that. in the shower reading my waterproof bible <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> oh gosh uh, yeah. yeah well I, anyway so me I, I guess like me sort of asking questions about what I'm reading and about me back to God yeah um does it 100% work all the time not really uh, but a lot of the time I find myself at least asking the question and reflecting on it more than I would otherwise um and I guess this a, kind of a lot I, of the time I have some really great revelations from it yeah but I can't say 100% of the time. Well, I guess this also kind of speaks to our approach to the Bible, which we talked about in the proof texting episode a few a few episodes back. Like, how do we actually approach the Bible? Do we approach the Bible so that we can fulfill a set of preconceptions? Like, okay, I believe this. Let me find the three Bible verses that are going to back me up. And then that's how, I, that's how I study my Bible. Like, are we just mm. studying it to confirm what we already believe or we already hold to? Or... Are we reading the Bible and then inviting God, inviting the Holy Spirit into it to speak to us in new, unexpected and strange ways, you know, um, because ultimately, you know, if God speaks to us, he's not in, in my experience, at least when God's spoken to me or I believe that I've, you know, I've heard a word, even though I think that's kind of a hyper spiritual term, um, when I have heard something from God in, in some way, shape or form, it's always, it's it's never been, oh yes, I already knew that and God is confirming it. It's always like, no, God is actually telling me something that I need to hear that I wouldn't ordinarily, um, that I wouldn't ordinarily think on my own terms. You know, God is always trying to push me further or, you know, reveal to me something which I don't want to do or I wasn't thinking of. Um because otherwise, I, I don't know. I don't know. Why would God just talk to us to affirm what we already know? Like, what would the point of that be? Well, I mean, sometimes he reminds us in a way. Yeah. You know, you can know something and he reminds it. Um, so, I guess, and I, I'm trying to steer clear of one of those, I was in the shower at <laughs> one moment. Um, but in my recent sort of um, personal devotion time <laughs> i've been studying um the beatitudes mm. um but i've been doing it with a commentary right um and just this really cool i don't know maybe maybe i'll talk about it on the podcast one day but this really cool basically opening context for the beatitudes and unpacking some of the language that we use and the greek word that was used and the commentary i'm reading uh william barclay i think um mm. really profound and Honestly, like it's it's bringing a whole new level of depth to the beatitude. So it's it's me like learning more about it. But the main thing is that I'm actually taking time to apply it and think through what does this look like. And um, one thing I'm wanting to do when I get to the end of it is I want to actually rewrite the beatitudes in my own language, like in a way that means something in 2019 or 20 2019 2019. Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Side you note: Did you I'll, see that? Did, did yeah. you see that article going around about how emo is going to come back because it's twenty nine scene scene kids are going to come back? What scene? I don't know scene. 
Oh, okay. So it's like if you're a scene kid, it's like you. It was the kids who like had the full like at all the shows, and they wear the band merch and they have like oh. the the black hair, the perfect look. They look exactly like how the scene should look. They are the stereotype of the scene. So the theory sense. is that scene emo is going to come back because it's twenty nine scene. Apparently, I don't know why. I don't know why twenty eight scene couldn't have been a thing or 27 scene but apparently 29 <laughs> scene i don't i don't think it's gonna happen but anyway <laughs> sounds dumb <laughs> it does um you anyway, had me until that moment you had i was like mm, yeah this is good <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've actually forgot oh yeah so um yeah i think like making practical applications for yourself um uh, i don't know how i got onto scene kids oh yeah no that's right 2019, that's what I was talking about. Making practical applications for yourself. Um, when we had good old uh, Benjamin uh, Lund- Lundquist, Lundquist? <laughs> no, I've got, um, on recently, um, and he was talking about how he makes Bible studies that are exciting to him. Yes, that was so cool, actually. It, it was, um, and I took that I took that under, um, yeah, I took that under my wing, and I'm like, yep, I'm taking that, and that's what I've been doing. Um, but that's the thing, like, Making ways for you, I don't think just reading the Bible, um, and then going like you're you're gonna get something from it just reading it straight as it is and then walking away from it. I think, I don't know, maybe when you're first reading it, yeah. But once you've sort of had a bit of time with it, I think you actually need to find ways to dig deeper into it. It does raise a question that I've been asking for a long time, which is that. How come there are so many Christians who are so knowledgeable about the Bible and are so mean-spirited? You know, she says it, rude, slanderous, and bereft of outward evidences of the Holy Spirit. How is it there are so many people, so many Christians who are so fluent in Christianese, Bibleese, they know their Bibles, they know the words in it, and yet they are jerks, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they, they're underhanded, you know, they're, they're not kind, they're not compassionate, they're not grace-filled, they're like the opposite of that. Like, why is that? Um, yeah. It really is, it's really, it really actually, it troubles me. Like, I know that, you know, we like to keep things kind of light and breezy, but like, seriously, that's one of the things that frustrates and really just... Uh, it's it's a source of consternation, really, like true, true, like puzzle, confusion, and just like concern for me. And I know that maybe it sounds kind of um, naive, but to me, if you're a Christian, doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it it should mean that you should take the teachings of Jesus, um, the, the the lifestyle of the way of Jesus, and that should be a like that should transform you. It should change you. And I just see so many Christians who are just not changed. They are yeah. exactly how they've always been from the age of 20 to the age of 80. They have never changed. They've always been the same, you know, sour sod that they've always been. And they just haven't allowed Jesus, the Holy Spirit to change them. Like that's, I don't know. I just... I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're living their life by, but it doesn't seem to be Christianity. You know, it doesn't seem to be the way of Jesus. Yeah. And that's reminds me actually. Um, so good old pastor Marcos Torres, who we've had on the podcast before, absolute legend in the digital space. 
um, from the Story Church Project. He posted a podcast slash blog post. <laughs> I said blog post. Um, <laughs> uh, just just recently, and it's called the three bottom line reasons why local Adventist churches are dead. Um, super words. heavy language as always. <laughs> um, but he backs it up really well. But one of the points he makes in the article, um, and oh, yeah, we're going to leave a link to it in the show notes. Um, really great article though. would recommend you read it or listen to it, whatever. Um, and he actually talks about how in Adventism, and I'm sure this has happened in a lot of other denominations too, we've spent a lot of time convincing people of the truth. So they're convinced that, you know, we go to church on Saturday to keep the Sabbath. Um, we need to be vegetarian, mm. whatever. But um, we haven't um, actually converted them. How, so, long have, how long have you been in the truth, brother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you get a whole lot of people who feel um, like they learn more and more and more about the Bible and they become convinced of things, but they don't actually s- die to themselves and are, and are reborn. They don't become and, disciples. Yeah, they don't move on to the new way of Jesus, the new way of being human that Jesus portrays. Um, yeah, and it, um, it, it's really, it's, it's troubling and it's true. Um, you know, I've met a lot of people, and I'm like, hey, so what, what brings you, what brings you to church? Because the Sabbath is the truth, brother. <laughs> okay, no other reason then. No, that's, <laughs> the truth is all I need, brother. Uh, yeah, um, we. I mean, I admire it. But it's it's like oh, I just feel is that it the like, conviction is that all we do the conviction and the passion is definitely admirable but it's so it's so sadly misdirected in 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 so many ways which is just yeah. such a, it's such a shame that it has to be that way um, or it doesn't have to be that way but it's just a shame that it is that way for so many people you know yeah. You yeah. know, I, I remember there was a time when I was a associate pastor in another city. Um, I think you were saying sociopath. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> the time when I was a sociopath. It was a dark time <laughs> in my life. I was a, I was a rip-off artist. I was a slanderer. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Anyway. No, I just remember I was an associate pastor at another church a few years ago. And um, we there was just this season in our church where the only people who were coming to our church for the first time were these types of people who had watched a you know Daniel Re- Revelation seminar or a health seminar or some TV program on you know one of the more right wing um, TV networks or uh, radio stations and they were coming in as these sort of militant um, uh, almost fanatical um, very certainly very passionate but it was not Jesus it was not the church it was all it was truth conspiracy theory superiority and all this stuff. And it was just so hard to deal with it because the people who were in church were not like that. And yet mm. there were all these people coming in going, is this what Adventism is all about? And expecting that, that, that this is what all Adventists are. And it's just, thank goodness that we are a mixed bag. We have all different people from all different sort of persuasions and we can be together and have this big conversation. That's such a, an amazing blessing. But yeah, it really does concern me that this is becoming, or it has been, a really prevalent thing in our tradition. And I'm sure that we're not the only ones, you know, who have this problem. Uh, I, I think there's there's um, extremists in every tradition. But yeah, 
yeah, it really does. It really does um, change the the conversation, and I, I believe it doesn't change the conversation for for the better. Um, what does what does Marco say, Josh, uh, in in his article? Oh well, I kind of did this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he he says a little bit more than just than just that. There's um there's there's a heck of a lot in it. Like it's a big it's a big blog post. Um, and he's got a couple of points on um the issue as well as the the solution. Um, he says a little bit like we have to focus on conversion rather than just information which I suppose you could say is more about the way that you live rather than the way that, well, the information that you that you gather. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Um, it's just moving away from a, like convincing people, I guess. Like just just convincing people, I should say. Um, obviously, we, we still believe there are truths um, in the Bible that we need to understand, um, but it's, it's not just that. In a way, um, so he yeah he talks about basically focusing on conversion more, um, and preaching Jesus not just this is quoting him. We need to preach Jesus not just as a nice idea, but as a living person who is calling us to death. So many gospel presentations these days gloss over death or skip it altogether, and the result I'm afraid is that we are simply convincing people to give Jesus a go and see how his philosophy is. How his philosophy of life improves ours, but this is not the gospel. We must come by way of his death, and that death experience is imperative not only for our individual spiritual life but for our collective mission as well. Mm. Um, and he goes on. It's a really great article. I'll, we're just I'm just giving you a, a snippet. I don't want to give away his whole article in our podcast because that would mm. kind of be plagiarism. But <laughs> we'll we'll link it in the show notes so you can go and read it for yourself. Um, yeah. But I think I think it's really yeah, that's a really key idea, and I think if if there was to be a bottom line or a big idea or whatever to this whole conversation, at least in my mind, is it, it sounds trite and it sounds kind of um, cliche, but really, if we're not if we're not speaking of Jesus, revealing Jesus, communing with Jesus, becoming more like Jesus through our study of the Bible, through our our, our conversations and our community um, with fellow Christians, um, if we're not revealing Jesus in the way that we actually um, live our lives, in the words that we use, the language that we use, the, the sort of attitude and worldview that we adopt and, and sort of allow to govern our lives, then I think that no amount of Bible study of theological teaching of doctrinal sort of learning uh, that's going to be it's going to be pointless none of that is going to make a, a, a whit of difference <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, and that that's the, exactly what marcus was talking about it's that death to self we need to actually approach the bible with a willingness to to die to ourselves daily and to take up our cross and follow jesus which is such a cliche to say but it's actually true and there's a reason we say it a lot yeah, and I love like one of the actually the the, the places that I really learned the heaps from this is from the Bible Project. Um, and for those of you who know the Bible Project, you know, you probably know of its videos. They make amazing videos. But what a lot of people don't know is they also have a great podcast where they dive deep into some of these biblical topics that they talk about on their uh, on their YouTube videos. 
Um, and I was listening to one, a series, it was a seven-part series on the Day of the Lord, which I was like, oh, this should be good because this is like right up Adventist Alley. This is all about the second coming. It's all about the Day of the Lord, which is the Jewish, basically the Jewish understanding of the apocalypse or, you know, if you're Nordic, Ragnarok or whatever like this. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, yeah. all these cultures have kind of had different like ideas around where the world is going. Um but what they say is really interesting, which is that Jesus comes as a warrior um, in the in the line of David, in the tradition of David, as the Messiah, as the conquering king. But that he wages war not by um, killing and destroying like what Babylon does. And they set Babylon up as this archetype, like, you know, it's it's the structure of, of death and the threat of death and conquering. And, and I'm going to get you and I'm going to be victorious over you. And it's a lot of the tactics that we use today that we use in politics, that we use in church, that we try to get ahead with. And Jesus comes as a counter to Babylon and he wages war, not the way that Babylon wages war, by conquering and destroying and killing and everything that the the spiritual powers of darkness use to actually influence their kingdom. But he wages war through sacrifice and death. And that in his sacrifice and death, not only are we redeemed and granted freedom and you know, reconciled and made right in our relationship with God the Father, but we're also invited to wage war using the same tools that Jesus used. And when I when I when I heard that, it it like Ephesians chapter five and six, you know, talking about the putting on the full armor of God was I, I finally understood what that meant because I had always been taught that you know the armor of God is like this this military battle and we're 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 fighting and we're waging war when I didn't realize that the way that we actually wage war is through love and sacrifice and that we're not called to be like the world. We're not called to be like Babylon. We're not, we're not called to just have the Bible and then um, just act like everybody else. The Bible is, and the words of Jesus are there to transform us and to transform the way that we live. I know that's kind of long-winded, but... That's kind of like my my brain is like, you know, pulling on all yeah. these threads, you know? It's so deep and so rich. It is. And that's that's exactly that's exactly the thing I think that we started this whole episode off with with the question about is the Bible really holy? And I think at the end of the day, it's actually not the words on the page that are the thing that that's holy. What's holy is when those words sit in your heart and become applied and and become real life and become a reality in you then you become a, a walking, talking, real-life um, gospel proclamation. Yes, because what, you know, what does God say to the Israelites that there is coming a day where you know, the words of the law will no longer be written on stone, on tablets, but on the hearts of the people? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. So it's not like if we drop the Bible, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it is a bit disrespectful, um, but ultimately... It's not that you, it's, that's, that's not the problem. The problem is when we drop the Bible away from a connection to our hearts. And the reality is, it's just like what you're saying. And I love that idea. And I really want to listen to that, <laughs> that podcast now. Oh, uh, it that, is so good. <laughs> but that's exactly it. It needs, it's, it's putting the Bible on and, and in, letting it infect our hearts and letting it totally transform us yeah. um, from the inside out. And yeah. that's what's, that's what's holy. Uh, that's what's exciting about a journey, a journey with God, and and being able to have something like the Bible, where it's all of these accounts of God moving in His people, um, 
And one thing I particularly love about the Bible, which you don't see in a lot of other religious texts, is it actually includes um, failures from our tradition as well. Um, <laughs> you know, the story of David doesn't stop with his victory. It actually goes on and, and then he did this and this and this, which was horrible. And you're like, oh, why did they include that? <laughs> just just leave it. It would have been a great story. Um, yeah. You know, it includes um, it includes one of the disciples betraying um mm. betraying jesus the ultimate teacher and then that disciple hanging himself it's horrible it includes peter's doubt and failure but it also includes obviously these incredible victories and stories it, in- it includes um the highs and the lows it includes the the cross but it includes the resurrection uh, i'm sorry i'm getting i'm getting preachy right now but it's just it, i get really excited and buzzed up when i when i think about it because that's what's exciting um that's that's what's exciting that the real life coming out of it and and coming into us yeah i i heard um i think it was nt right um on the ask nt right anything podcast which is a great podcast by the way i did not know that was a thing i am subscribing right now it is (laughs) so good they 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 pick questions you can send in a question they collate all the questions in a particular theme and then nt right just goes for it and he answers these questions and he was talking about how the Bible is not a theological textbook like a lot of people think it is. Like, you know, if you want to know a, the doctrine of salvation, just go to Romans because Romans is the, the, the textbook on salvation. Yeah, Romans is that, but it's also talking about the people who live there in Rome. It's, it's also a, an account of Paul's sort of experience at that time with, with Jesus and with who he is. And we, should, we shouldn't forget that in the uh, in the first century, these New Testament Christians didn't have the New Testament. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's not like they could just read Romans chapter seven and and chapter eight and then get a con- you know conclusive sort of um, analysis of the, the the dichotomy between sin and salvation. You know, who can save me from this body of death? And thank you know, thank God I have Jesus Christ who saves me. You know, it's not like they could just read Colossians you know, or, or John or First John where, you know, he talks about the cosmic Christ, the Logos. Like, they didn't have these sources. And we often forget that within these sources, even as we read them today, are these accounts of people who lived, who died, who had this experience with Jesus, who had this experience with the Holy Spirit. So, I think the the thing that we often forget is that Christianity and, you know, the Holy Scriptures that we have, which informs that Christianity, it's all about a transformed life. It's not necessarily about just information um, and about living in the right way so that I can be good or living in the right way so that I can be good before God, so that God will like me. That's not Christianity. You know, that's I I don't know what that is. That's some sort of man-made, made-up religion, you know. If we keep the Sabbath, that doesn't make us more does, doesn't make God more happy with us than somebody who goes to church on Sunday. Or if we have a special knowledge about our diet, doesn't make make God more happy with us than somebody who eats whatever. Sure, God loves it when we do things that um, are good for us, and, and 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 God loves it when we do things that are healthy because well, God loves us and wants us to be healthy and whole. But when it comes to being a Christian, uh, we can't live and make decisions and influence God and the way that He cares about us and loves us 
by the the great things that we do. You know, as Isaiah said, our greatest, most accomplished uh, actions are but filthy rags before God, before His righteousness. Um, and I think it's I think it's hard for us to 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 grapple with that idea that just because I'm vegan or just because I I keep the Sabbath doesn't make me any better than the person who is a meat eater and doesn't go to church on Sabbath. That it, it's it's such a hard thing to to grapple with. Yeah, and while those things can be, I think like you know keeping the Sabbath and you know eating better as long as they're done in an act of worship, um, they're incredible and they're incredible for you and they're incredible for your relationship with God. But exactly like you're saying, it doesn't necessarily make God love you more. God already loves you to the max. You know, <laughs> it can't go any higher. Um, it can be much better for your walk with God, obviously. 100%. Um, yeah. Wouldn't do it if I, <laughs> if I didn't believe in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, really cool thoughts. But I guess at the end of the day, um, I think where Beth more was coming from and i think where a lot of this conversation is coming from is simply are we living as just like information gatherers or information dispensers are we only interested in knowing the truth like a conspiracy theorist who feels kind of superior to everybody else because they know something that other people don't or are we living transformed lives Mm, yeah, uh, there's a old school uh, Andy Stanley quote. Um, we seem to love Andy Stanley. We bring him up a lot here, but um, I remember him saying, uh, "What was it? It was in it was in his book about preaching." And he says, um, "Bible Bible knowledge makes us haughty. Bible application makes us holy." Wow. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you could get a bit confused by that like obviously having more knowledge about the bible is good but it's only when it's actually applied is when it becomes holy and and beautiful i remember another thing that andy stanley said which is that experience doesn't teach you anything only evaluated experience teaches you um in other words just because you know a lot or you've experienced a lot doesn't make you automatically better it's when you actually grapple with what that experience teaches you and applies it, then you actually improve, whether it's in leadership, whether it's in being a Christian, being a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a friend, yeah. whatever it might be. And I think, I mean, I know we're, we're kind of running out of time, but um, <laughs> that sort of does bring in something else, which maybe we'll have to talk about another time, but about um, how critical it is as a, as a Christian to learn how to truly self-evaluate um and really be willing to reflect on yourself you know a lot of people they read something Mm. like they read something like you know about how james in the in yeah the letter that that james wrote and he writes about taming the tongue and about gossip and slandering and they think yeah people shouldn't gossip but they don't they don't actually take the time to think am i doing that it's it's really hard to evaluate yourself I think I literally I remember um, I remember leading a Bible study um a, when we were talking about James and it was so awkward because I really wanted to drill down. I was like, are we doing this? Because everybody in the room all agreed that gossip is bad, slander is bad, but when we when I actually asked the question, okay, so are we doing this? Everybody was like, oh, I don't quite know how to answer that because if I assent 
to, oh, maybe I do kind of do this in this area, then I'm admitting that, well, maybe I've got something to work on and that's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. We like to think we've got it all together. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of another another aspect to this as well, that when it comes to application, part of that is actually self-evaluating and having people who will honestly talk to you and you'll honestly listen to them when they tell you, hey, I don't think you're doing this right. Um, I know th- those kind of relationships are hard to come by. You know, there's nothing worse than somebody, you know, old brother, brother Nigel, I don't know, coming <laughs> coming, coming to you at church like, ah, you're wearing those shoes to church. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. well, who are you to actually speak into my life about this? But if it's a closer relationship with somebody, it's great to build that up, but then you also need to be able to listen to it and yeah. evaluate. Yeah, Hard. I agree. I agree. Yep. Yeah. So, look, what do you guys think? Um, this is obviously a really tricky topic to talk about um, because it's, it's very easy to have this sort of conversation and people go, oh, Josh and Jesse hate the Bible. You know, like, it's so hard to talk about this sort of thing. And yet, I think it is a conversation worth having. What do you guys think? Do you think that we worship the Bible a little bit too much? What is the Bible's proper place in our world in your life as a as a Christian, what is um, what does it have to say, uh, and how do you think we should treat it? Um, we'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, um, and if you haven't already, make sure you uh, subscribe and feel free to check out our beautiful website, burnthehaystack.org. Um, lots of good stuff going up there. Links to everything. Um, it's the place to go for all things burning of haystacks. <laughs> We love you guys. Um, Hope you enjoy this episode. Um, Please leave a review uh, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. So that is Josh and Jesse. Ah! Ah!